What's up, everybody? Welcome to the By the Hood podcast or webcast. I don't know how you're consuming this content, but either way, um, we appreciate having you here. I'm your host as usual. My name is Jimmy, and I'm in the building. I got my partner, Corey, here. Corey, what's up, good brother? What's going on, Jim? Hey, man, listen, man, I'm excited, man. We got a, a very special guest in the building. We got an entrepreneur, and, and not only just an entrepreneur, he's an investor. He's doing amazing things in the uh, Philadelphia market in, in terms of real estate, but I love following his journey on his Instagram page. He's one of the most entertaining guys on Instagram. And I'll tell you this, one of the things I like about a lot about your page, right? So there's a lot of people who talk real estate, but one thing that you do is you share the mistakes you make. And oh yeah, for sure. I, I got to share those. Yeah. That's difficult to do. I know how difficult I, I try to do the same. So that's why I really appreciate your transparency in saying that because that's something that a lot of people aren't willing to do. Without further ado, we have our brother Malik Carter on um, his IG is, uh, you know, a real estate coach Carter. Um, but man, listen, first of all, thank you for uh, giving us your time and coming to talk to our people, man. Uh, no problem. Thanks, thanks for having me. You know, I, uh, I really don't, don't do a bunch of these, but, you know, I like what you put out, like your content. Like, you know, you know, I'm about to go ahead and, you know, get on here. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. So um, let's just start from the very beginning. Like, are you you're from Philadelphia? What part of the city are you from? Yeah, I'm from Philly. I'm from, they used to call it the bottom. Now the lines kind of, kind of moved. <laughs> So I'm from, <laughs> right, I'm from 33rd and Hamilton, right? So growing up, my block was dilapidated. Then they kind of, so now it's Palton Village, where I'm from. Back then it was the bottom, now it was Palton Village. <laughs> they, got, they, got a, they got a cute name now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it was always Palton Village on the south side of Hamilton. But now it went to, always oh, yeah, a spring garden, is, you know, it's now in Palton. So yeah, I'm okay. from Palton Village, not, not the bottom, not Mantua. Okay, did you, did you go to school out there? Like, where'd you go to high school at? No, I went to engineering science. Oh, okay. oh dope. Well, I know a yeah. lot of people there. Like, we, we both central guys, but I know a ton of ENS people. But um, that's interesting. That's interesting that you say that, right? So um, our previous episode, we had Isha on, and she was talking about how she's from South Philly, and her neighborhood was called Saigon, but now they got a cute, they got a cute nickname too. So it's, it's interesting to see both of you guys' journey. Like, I wonder, is that, does that have anything to do with where you are now, seeing the neighborhood change like that? Do you think it has anything to do with like, you know, your relationship to real estate now? Um, so uh, 100%, right? I like to, to see the progress. And so like, that's why where I personally buy, like I don't, I buy, you know, like you buy the hood, you yeah. know, but... I try to see was not necessarily going to be the hood, you mm -hmm. know, and try to buy, try to buy there and wait. Like, you know, I'm a long-term investor. I, I mean, I'm buying, I get cash flow now, but I'll take, you know, equity later. I have a, I make enough money to live on. Like I really don't, don't spend a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really, you know, planning for the, for the next generation or my next move, you know, later on. Okay. So honestly, to be real, I really got everything I, I, I really want, everything. I don't I don't need anything else. I take every vacation I'm gonna take. You know, my kids in private school, you know, I got a twin living Camry, but I'm not a car dude. I don't buy clothes, I don't buy jewelry, you know, I, I eat good, I take trips, I buy houses. That's that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do much. <laughs> I heard that. But let me ask you a question though. How'd you actually get into real estate? So what was your foray into real estate? So you said you went to ENS. After ENS, right. like did you go to school so, or college after that? Or how what was your foray? How'd that happen? So I went to I did go to college. I went to North Carolina Central University in Durham, wait, you go, Bull okay. City. Okay. You know, North, North Carolina. You know, that's that's where I was to college, but I was my dad was a was a contractor, right, coming up. 
you know, and um, so my introduction was there. He, he, my dad owned houses, you know, even back then. Actually, without, you know, veering too far off, right? Like I can track my father's side history to slavery, right? My dad's side wow. were entrepreneurs all the way through slavery. Like right at the, right at the end of slavery, I mean, it was over my, I think great, great, great grandfather like made enough money during that time period. And so he stayed in the South in Virginia, in Gloucester, Virginia, at a place called Carter's Creek. You can look up on the map, like we still got 40 acres there. Like it's still our family right now. We got that oh. from like the slavery, right? He, he got that out of slavery, right? So it's a quick story. Like, so as, as it goes, he basically what he was doing, he was a slave, right? But what he would do is he would navigate the York River. He knew the York River very well, right? So he would navigate the Confederate soldiers up and down the river, like kind of like a double agent type of deal, like take them up and messages back, so on and so forth. And so, but they still paid him for that. And they appreciated what he did because he was able to navigate it at nighttime and nobody else was able to do it. And so when slavery was over, um, like the masters died, the wife, you know, gave him, we have actually the deed, but we have 40 acres, the 40 acres and all the animals he got, everything, it's all waterfront, still there, right? You can Google Carter's Creek and see the 40 acres that he got, Yo, right? That is, that's an amazing story. And yeah. so- so and he and so he made enough money doing that that he was when his brothers when they ran north so after the war civil war they came back south and he made enough money he bought all three of them oyster boats and so they all they farmed oysters and that was their career and then we still have the farm down there Shelley you know if you Google um, Zion Poplar's Baptist Church. Right across the street is Yellow Hollow, seven acres. Like that's where they live. Like we still have that too. That's still in Virginia, right? Wow. And um, so they we own property. We were really landlords since then. Every generation, everybody that's had. That's in your blood. Yeah, it's there. It's there. But I didn't. It wasn't my path though. I didn't really. I wasn't trying to be, you know, be a landlord. It, it, but it just. It did come natural. I, mean, I did, you know, see my dad do it, and my grandfather did it. My 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 grandfather's brother, uncle, everybody did it. My my uncle in New York, he was the most successful because he bought um three brownstones, uh, on the hundred fifty eighth Riverside, and um, you know, in Manhattan, you know, now they value that, you know, over a million dollars a piece, and you know, still still he did die, or, but those are still like in a family in a way, right? So but he had, he was the most successful at it just because of, he went to New York. When they came to Philly, he went to New York and was buying Manhattan. And so wow. that's where, you know, just proximity. But in race, that's my family story. That, that's crazy. I, go ahead, Core. Let me ask this question. How did y'all, because a lot of black folks we know lose their property and their stuff through generations. Mm-hmm. How did your family manage to maintain and hold on to all that property through all of these, these, you know, 150, 200 years? So I could really only speak to my grandfather, my grandfather, right? I, I just knew that they still used the house up until maybe seven years ago. Like we would have family reunions down in Virginia at the house, you know, oh. so they were, they were frequent. Even my dad, 
he moved from Philly, moved into the house, you know, for, for maybe like almost a year. He lived, he lived there in that house, right? And so we paid taxes, we would go down, we would see it. And so we also, we share crop, the, so the 40 acres, we share crop on it, right? We got a farmer, I'm sure, he, you know, it probably sound good, but I'm sure he's raping us. My grand, they on, you know, 1940s terms. And so we got a sharecropper now, it's actually white dude, and he rotates between soy and tobacco and whatever else, and he just pays us a percentage of, uh, of his crop every year, and that pays the taxes, and we just keep taxes paid, and that's really it for the, for the 40 acres. But the house, it really hasn't been active in about three years, and I, honestly, I think my family, I'm probably the only one that cares about it, like as, as the generations, you know, got younger. Nobody want to go to the country. I'm the only person that really, really want to go down there. You know, I, I was going to ask you, I guess you just answered that question. I was going to say, is this a story that you were brought up knowing or something that you went back and looked up your history or has already, has always been passed nah, down? No, no, we, we, it's document. So one of my, my cousin, uh, Fred, he still lives in Virginia and he has like all the records. Like he, he has all the documentation, all the paperwork. He has everything, you know, at his house. That's important. You know? When you documentation yeah. and paperwork, like, because my thing is a lot of, uh, that, again, falling through the cracks. And so your family did a very good job of not allowing that to fall through the cracks. And that's that's something that anybody who watched this video, I want them to take heed yeah. as far right. as generational wealth. Um, your family not allowing that to fall through the cracks has allowed y'all to do the things that y'all have been able to that's do. That's a powerful story. I didn't even know that story. That's powerful that you could trace nah, it back. Nah, it's slavery, but, but on my mom's side, though, my mom's side, my mom was raised in Danville, Virginia, and, like, the farm that she was raised on, we still have that. That was 200 acres. They sold the trees, sold the 100 acres, and so we still got, like, 105 acres left in Danville. You just pay taxes. We don't do anything on that. It's just, it, that's just there. You know, and but I don't know who they got it from. I just know that's where my mom was raised, and she owns a part of that. You know, where they just subdivided or whatnot. Y'all really but, about that buying whole life? Yeah, yeah the, um, the real, real buying whole. <laughs> hundreds, yeah. hundreds of years buying. Yeah, but you know what though? That's also like it's so many <laughs> gems within that story in terms of this is what you saw, right? So you saw this. So even though even though you said this wasn't originally your path. Um, and if you don't mind me asking, what were you, what, what did you think you were going to do? Like, so when you said this wasn't your original past, you ended mm -hmm. up in the real estate game. What were you trying to do? So, I mean, just like with, with every other young black man who was an athletic, was trying to do. I can label I, 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 yeah, no, I was I, music, man, music. I was a music <laughs> dude. You know, I, um, you know, I was always the type that if I wanted to do something, I would figure it out. I didn't even really need to ask permission, right? So what I did, wait, are you still here? Yeah, we can hear you, we hear you. Oh, hold on, my drink, my, oh, oh, here we go. I lost you for a quick second. So uh, um, I went to, you know, the uh, the movie, The Show? Yeah. With, uh, so that was at 33rd Street, the Armory. So I got tickets, walked down to the concert when it was there. And um, so I'm standing by the front of the sound man, and they're like, yo, sound man, turn it up. And I turned around, like, sound man, he, he, he got working the keys. I'm like, yo, that's dope. I want to be him when I grow up, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> and then so what I did the very next day, I started calling around, like, recording studios, trying to learn how to be the sound man. Like, I didn't know what was the difference between the recording engineer, like, and the show engineer. But I'm with the third story 
recording. It's at 51st and, um, and Walnut. And just so happened that DJ Miz worked there in the back. And so he took me in as an intern. So from my junior year in high school, I worked with Miz. He showed me how to work the boards. And my senior year, I started getting paid. I was getting paid $20 an hour. You know, I'm 17, getting $20 an hour, you know, in 95. You was getting it. Like, yeah, I was, yeah. Like, I'm in it for four hours, five hours, and I'm just recording music. It was, you know, I loved it. I loved that. And then I wasn't even going to go to college. I wasn't going to go to college, but I wasn't going to go down south. And so Miz was like, um, listen, man, there's, there's studios down there, too. Don't get stuck in Philly because of this. You can go down there and work. You've got experience. Okay, too. Right. But he was wrong. Like, <laughs> it was, listen, I get to North Carolina at this time. This is different. You know, it's 96. It was a studio. In Durham were no studios. The only recording studio, it was one in Chapel Hill and it was one in Raleigh, both owned by Southern white dudes. I'm like, I'm trying to get in for free. I'm used to getting paid $20 an hour. I'm like, listen, let me eat for free. And like, nah, we don't want you for free. We don't even need your help. Wow. And I couldn't get in, right? And so, you know, so that was kind of like the, that wasn't, that was the end of my engineering. I got a job on the radio, right? But then, you know, I started to do music distribution. I met my man, Dame. We started, you know, wholesaling mixtapes. That did very well. You know, made a lot of money doing that. To the, I mean, I made, we blew a lot of money. I'm talking about we made hundreds of thousands of dollars while we were still, like, sophomore in college, and we just ran through it. Just, you know, everything. And then that just stopped abruptly. Like, it just, you know, all of a sudden, I don't know if you're familiar with the RIAA, right? But the RIAA yes, was formed. And um, they it was just formed, and people that we knew in the industry were going to jail. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to jail over no mixtapes. That's out of the question, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And like it was this, um, the first dude that was selling music online. This cat named Mark. He's in Florida. Had the, um, called the Hip Hop Site. First mm-hmm. one selling mix mixtapes online. And when the feds, the, they RIA, they took him down federal. They took everything he had, and. After he got through his trial, they, they did let him keep one house. All his cars, all his money was done. And so I didn't have any, and that was it. And right, and so from there, I transitioned to the parties. Parties did well, made a lot of money in that for two and a half years. I left North Carolina, came to Philly. I thought I was going to do well in parties here, and I flopped. And uh, then I had to figure it out, man. I had to do something different. And yeah. so, you know, I, I, I got a job at that point. Yo, it's crazy because um, it's, 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 it was even some gems in what you said there, right? But I know that feeling. Back in the day, I had an online casino, right? This mm, was okay. years ago. It was uh, uptowngambler.com. And okay. I, was, I was making money hand over fist on football season. Like, it would, it would slow down when it wasn't football season. This is when Bush was in office. It would slow down when it wasn't football season. But during football season, I was making several grand every Sunday. And mm. Bush, Bush, with the stroke of a pen, had changed the law. And it was gone. It was just literally gone. Because um, back in the day, you couldn't do that. It was illegal to do it, but they found a loophole where if you, so what I, so I didn't technically own the casino. It was it was on a um it was out of the country. Yeah, right. The country but I own a domain, and I will push traffic there. It, it, but they would like make the thing look like your domain. So it's kind of like you partner with someone, mm-hmm. and, and people were doing that. And at the time, 
a bunch of white kids in college were losing all their money gambling. So Bush, I can see, yeah. Bush changed like with the stroke of yeah. a pen in one night. It was the whole joint was like a, a wreck. So same thing happened to me because I was online gambling. I was I was playing poker online at that time. Okay, mm-hmm. that's the exact. So when that that same stroke of the pen <laughs> did me into yeah, he, he ended the whole thing. But the gem that was in what you said is. Um, and we talk, we talk all the time about one of the uh, problems that a lot of people have when trying to save, invest, get into real estate is the lack of taking action. So when you told that story, you said, hey, I saw this sound, man. I want to be like him. The very next day, you hit the phone. So you had to hustle in you already, though, because a lot of people, that's their thing is taking that step to do something, right? right. A lot of times, like just by taking action, you'll fall into to, to whatever it may be. But it's the fact right, that you action. a lot of people don't take action. And, and, and honestly, that, that's really the reason why I really, I used to spend like a lot of time kind of like mentoring people. People will call me up out of the blue. I want to be in real estate. How can you help me? I listen to their story. I spent hours like giving like everything and they would never, and they would never take action. Matter of fact, there's one girl in particular, she's the reason why I stopped is we had this whole conversation about her getting into real estate and how she didn't have any money. She was working on at this credit. And then I'm like, all right. Then like two days later, she said, she posted on social media, I'm stressed out. I had to take a quick flight to Jamaica. I'm like, okay, so you got the money for the Jamaica, but you don't have yeah. money. So after that, I was like, well, you gotta be serious. That's why actually me and, that's why me and uh, Justin, MJS Capital, mm-hmm. we did a workshop a few months ago, right? And the reason why I did it wasn't to make, I, I did charge for it, but it wasn't to make money. We only charged like 100 to 200 bucks, like $100 early bird. And we did it at that price point because it's low enough that people can afford to come, but it's high enough to weed the bullshitters out. Yeah. And so 100 bucks, and that way I get all out at one time. I could get anybody that asked me questions, this is your opportunity. You can show up, you can buy $50, you can buy the live stream, whatever it is. And then what happened is people stop getting my DM. It'd be new people now, but the old people who had opportunity to pay, they didn't hit me no more. Because ah. they didn't pay. So then they don't. So I get them out of there. Yeah. You know, so, so right now, you know, I try to give access, I try to give the information. I posted the other day, like it's so much information slash misinformation online. You know, you just got to know where to get it from, you know. And then another thing with these workshops that people are going to in general is even with me is you, you only get in one side, right? You get in how that person invests, what works for that person. It may not necessarily work for you, right? And so, and like me, like I'm a conservative investor because I told you, I mean, I lost everything with the, with the uh, mixtapes. I lost everything with the you no know, donor party. Like I've been broke twice already. Like I'm not going broke again. So, and not only that, I had a mortgage company, right? I was doing, I was doing pretty, I was doing pretty good with the mortgage. At the time I felt like I was doing great. But looking back, I was just doing well, right? And then, you know, over the fax machine, you know, I see new century closed down that was the beginning of the recession. I went eight months of making zero dollars and I pretty much lost everything, you know, in 08, everything. Every last dime that I had, I, I lost. I'm talking about, I, I ended up going to LA Fitness to some memberships. 
You know, can you imagine I fed that trying to sell somebody a gym membership? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that shit was hard, bro. Yeah, I could dig it, but you know what? I respect you because again, you took action. You like because because a lot of people like at that time they 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 like and I ain't trying to be I shouldn't say this, but people blow their brains out and just walk away and give up. <laughs> you, you 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 like one thing I could say, just you telling your story is like um for lack of a better term, the stick to itiveness. Like you just get right back up on the horse, like all right, that ain't work. I'm gonna go get get to sell these memberships until I figure it out. Like, yeah, I mean, so the, it's perseverance. The it's perseverance. Is 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 that? I, fortunately, I made a lot of money in college and blew it. That I I understand now that money is like an ocean. Like money comes and it goes. You know, it comes in waves. And so you just gotta ride it. You can be down, but as long as you got the the perseverance right as long as you you keep grinding it doesn't matter what like the money will come back and i tell people all the time especially in real estate it doesn't matter what you do in real estate everything works everything it doesn't matter <laughs> it all works how do you want to do it what works for you if you want to wholesale do it at a high level you buy a whole long term high level if you want to flip you want new construction if you want to sell funeral plots it doesn't matter it all works there, yeah. so you just got to figure out what you want to do. This is true, and that's a great point too. You said about like um, you're telling people at the uh, at your at your seminar that you have to figure out what works for you. You can't just take, you know, your story and try to just do what you do, right? Like what they can take from it is the perseverance. But that's a great point, right? Because I was speaking to someone the other day. I was trying to help them out. They're 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 getting a rental property, and I was showing them how I screen my tenants, and they're like, "Wow, you know how to do this?" And I'm like, "Listen, the reason I know that is because I made every." mistake known to man i've i've i fell for the the single mother trick uh you know my kids i need the help da, 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 da. I've, mm -hmm. I've i've went through the thing where i'm gonna give you six months up front so i don't run their credit and then that's the last uh, month i get is month six like i've made every mistake there is to make right you know what i'm saying so it's like and and again that's why i told you when we first started the one thing i appreciate about appreciate about your story is you don't mind telling the failures because that's what you learn from you shared right. one the other day that I actually reshared on our page because to me it was powerful. It was about how everybody is, you know, um, running with this BRRR strategy, you know, to buy, um, you know, right, right, yeah, yeah. rent, repeat, the whole thing. And you talked about how you tried that and you pulled so much equity out that the deal went bad for you, right? So yeah, um, right. tell us a little bit about that, that whole process, that project, and um, what did you learn from that? So with that one, that, was a, that house is at 22nd and Dolphin, right? And I was working for the housing authority once again. So this was, I forget what year it was, but I started with the housing authority, maybe in like 2010 or something like that or whatever. But so I'm working at housing authority. So I'm down Blumberg, so I'm at 22nd and Jefferson. And so I could just shoot right through Raymond Rosen, get to my house, collect rent, shoot right back to work, you know? And it was a little tough, but I was right there all the time. Oh, you want to move in? Cool. I'll be there. I ain't had to tell my supervisor all the time. I could just peel out real fast. And when it don't go, I mean, my supervisor was thorough anyway, right? So I could just tell her, like, yeah, I'm shoot over here because, you know, I got my work done, whatever. Yeah, you're right but there. Then, right, but then they moved me to Bartram Village. So now I'm all the way in Southwest, you know, when it's a bunch of stuff going on and it was hard to maintain, you know, and it just got to be uh, too much of a burden, you know? So now I get off work at Bartram at 5 o'clock then I got to shoot all the way to 22nd, you know, in Dolphin. Actually, one at a time, it's already dark. Bulls out there, you know, like, I'm not scared of a human being. But a lot of the dudes out there are not human beings. Like, they're like, oh, <laughs> like, 
about. I, got, no, I, knew, I do too. That's why I'm laughing. But it's also a situation where, and this is something that people, right? So people always say, you always buy, talking about buying in the hood, buying in the hood. What about, listen, I'm the same way. I, I, it's no sense for me to be out there when it get dark. Like, you have to be smart too. You got to be smart. Exactly. Like, these boys, they on all types of drugs. It's not just weed. Yeah, yeah, right. It's bro. It's not. It's not just weed, you know. And so I'm like, they be out of their mind all the time, right? And so I'm like, man, I'm down here. It's like thirty bull. First of all, that block is dark. Huge trees. There's no light, and everybody know I'm the rent bull. So when I'm, I go there, might have eight rooms. I'm saying so. I might. I might. Who knows how much I'm coming out out with that day, you know? So I always had cash on me. And I'm going down there. So you know, I, I like the turkey leg to them right there. Man. <laughs> You know, so I ain't, I ain't messing, you know, so then I'm like, damn. So when I was doing it at noon, at one, it was cool. But I, damn, it's, it's in wintertime, six o'clock, you know, and it's got to be too much, man. And then they got, you know, the home invasion I, I, I talked about on there, and it was just, it was a lot. And plus, at that time, I just had a kid, so my risk tolerance had gone down. You know, at that, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, I mean, these chances I ain't got to take for no few hundred dollars, you know, and um, and then they just kept breaking in. Like when the tenants moved out trying to fix it, just kept breaking in. And it was just so cost prohibitive for me to just keep putting money into it that I just had to let it go, let it go to foreclosure. And um, I mean, I had so much stress was relieved when I went to foreclosure. I had to deal with that, but I mean, I had so much peace of mind, you know, with that with that house being gone. That's why, like, I'll never do rooms again. I made a lot of money for a while, but I don't know other cats out there really, like, killing it doing rooms. I know there's one dude, I think he got, like, a couple hundred rooms. All he do. Uh, about Jake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't going to no, put nobody's name out there, but what I'm going to say is, you got to be careful, all right, another, another, another piece of advice, people out there, like, you got to be careful doing rooms, especially if you don't, um, First of all, it's hard to get zone for that. Um, mm-hmm. So, but be careful because I had a client of mine who was killing it doing rooms. He he was taking three bedroom, one bathroom houses and literally putting up plywood and making extra rooms. Like mm-hmm. he have a three one bedroom, three take a three and one, and next thing you know, he got like a eight and one. I'm like, how you how you rent eight rooms in this little ass house in one bathroom? Wow. He was killing it. But what wow. happened was. Um, the person didn't want to pay rent. He got into an argument and their remedy was, I'm a snitch on you. And mm. he had so many of them that it was like a big catch for L and I. And they mm. shut, not just the one that the person didn't pay down. They shut all his joints down. Oh, wow. Okay. And he tried to open it back up and then they threatened to send his ass to jail and he just left it alone. Like, yo, that's when he called me like, yo, sell all these joints. So, <laughs> <laughs> because, um, so be careful out there with the rooms, but it can be lucrative, but you just got to be careful with that, man. No, listen, that house, the house down Dolphin was a huge house. It was a, uh, it was a five bedroom house. And like the, it was like six, but the back bedroom was like real small. I'm talking about like closet size. So I rent that one out $50 a week. And then um, I built two more rooms on the first floor. And uh, man, I had eight rooms in there, man. I was, I was getting it for, for a little while. Especially in the in the summer months, but there's no there's no bills. Yeah, you know they had no air conditioning. All they had was fans, so utility bills wasn't even you know crazy. And then I had to hit, you know, I had to hit. So you know utilities was nothing, you know. So yeah. you that's know, crazy. What, what what meter? You know what I'm saying? 
<laughs> so, 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 so once you lost that, what was the lesson that you took from that that experience with that? Like, because I know so, you said you took equity. I, right. So that's the thing, right? So I, I was in there, I think ninety-ish or something like that. Like, ended up being out. I refinanced the cash out, and the cash came in very handy. This, this is the time where I'm just recovering, you know, from uh, losing everything. And that was my first big cash infusion, like that refinance. So that helped me, you know, I had a driver's license. I had to, you know, I put my tickets, my license back. So that refi really helped me out to kind of like get back on like as a, you know, being regular, being, you know, you know, driving through. You know what's weird real quick? I'm gonna say this. When I was driving to the house in North Philly, I, was, I felt a sense of relief once I crossed the bridge back in the West because the police presence down there was so heavy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, just let me get up. Let me just shoot up Susquehanna right to the park. And let me get out of here. It's like, it was just like. It's like it an occupying like, army. It's like yeah, an occupying army. I, to- I lived in that neighborhood. Like, I lived two blocks in there. When I growing up, I lived two blocks from what you're talking about. So when you're talking about this stuff, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, man, it was like a sense of relief to get out of there, you know, especially at nighttime. It's like so many police around, everybody over. I just had to go. It's like it was too much, man. So hit the bridge, you know, I I felt the, the bird get lifted. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so many plus, plus I'm you know running around, I ain't got no license and all that kind of stuff too. So it was extra, you know, added layers to it, you know, but but still. But um, so anyway, so then I tried to sell the house and uh, you know, nobody would buy it, nobody even would come even see the house, you know. <laughs> And then, um, and then I tried to do like a lease purchase and it didn't work. But the person, this is, this is the last straw. This is when I was like, you know what? I gotta let this house go. So before I bought it, it was illegal at the hour, right? The guy, they had the stripper pole in it, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, the guy, like the ATF came, locked dude up. And after they, and so I had the house. I'm still fixing it up at this point. I'm still I'm holding it on at this big mortgage but I'm still holding. And my brother is coming to my house one night. So I go to the door. And my brother is the dude that had got locked up before oh. at my front door because he wanted, because he ended up throwing parties in that house. The same parties that he got locked up for, he threw in the same exact house. He threw in parties. I didn't know. I didn't go down there. I didn't go down there like months at this time period. Yeah. And so... He throwing parties down there and he came to me to legally rent it to him so he could do it legally. The same thing he just got locked up for a few years prior. I'm like, if you're going to do it, at least get a different house. At uh, least do something different. That, 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 that house got bad energy, man. It's just yeah. it's too much going on with that house. My house so I, you know, so I, when I came to my crib, I'm like, like this nigga's going to my house? Like, nah, I'm not. No. So yeah, at that point, I was like, you got to go. You let that go. All right, so so when did you finally like figure it out? Like, all right, so I, and, and you you mentioned that you're a conservative investor. So one thing mm-hmm. that all these, um, so it sounds like you know how to build, right? But the one thing you learn through going through all this is how to be a more conservative investor, but still grow a business. When did you like? When did it click and you figured it out? Like, this is how I have to operate within the um, investment space with real estate. Well, I think it's just my personality in general. Like, I don't like. You know, I get anxiety, all these bills, all these all these blue envelopes coming every month. And like, man, I got to keep paying, you know, everything. And it just becomes, you know, too much for me to juggle. It could be easier. I, I could make it easier. But 
I'm just a peace of mind person. Like I would, you know, I need the peace of mind more than I need the money. Like once again, once again, I said, I got everything I need. Like the crib where I live, my, my mortgage is $1,100 a month. My car, no, I did the car, no. I got it last year. My other, I had a 99 Dodge Caravan that I paid 1400 for. I love that Caravan. And somebody T-boned me and totaled it. But mm. they had to get something. And so I ended up, uh, once, um, you know, that's going to be a little more reliable. So I got a 2011 Camry, right? And uh, the payments, so I was going to pay cash. It was like 6500 bucks. And uh, the guy was like, you know, if you get a, a you get payments of like $160. And I was like, yeah, run it. Like, I don't even feel 160 But if I pay you the 6000 I put that to work. So I didn't end up getting a car note. And so that's that's my life. I mean, I don't, you know, once we, I don't buy anything. So for me, it's easy to be a conservative investor because I don't, I don't spend money. Right. If you spend it all your profit on life and you spend it on your profit on stuff, is then you gotta figure out a way to get more money, right, to to keep to keep reading up. But I will say this though. I came to conclusion two days ago that I should have went to new construction two years ago. You know, doing the flips, I think I like doing the flips, but I was just looking at the financing terms and everything else and like coming to profit margins. I probably should have went to new construction two years ago and took a, a at least one bigger risk, right? I wouldn't recommend people do new construction if it's the, like, the last dime, but if you can afford to to put that 20 whatever percent down and still be able to make other money other places, you know, but I'm looking at it, even that paying 10%, you know, on 210000 ain't but like 2000 or $1,900 a month, that's not a crazy amount of money to pay to do new construction, right? So... The return, it's a really good return if you buy a good lot. Not if you're paying 100000 for a lot, but if you had a good lot or get a decent lot, like it's way better returns and on a flip. And so I think I should have done it two years ago. I think I kind of missed that boat. And I that's, believe I'm going to try it, but I think I missed the boat though. That's actually uh, um, interesting because I've heard a lot of people say that, right? So, and, and back to my mistakes, right? So, um, this is a show about mistakes. One of the things I used to do when I used to buy uh, rental properties, uh, single family homes, um, a lot of times I would try to buy them where I did, did obviously everybody does. We have to do minimal work. Um, and I would try to like just do patchwork and just to get a tenant in there. Right. And I would get calls all the time. So I tell people all the time now, I have most of my properties, I haven't even been to some of them. I have one property, I ain't been there in years, but the rent's there every month. I don't know what's going on. That's probably not a good thing to say. It's terrible to say, but, I, but I'm being honest, right? Um, but one of the things I learned is now when I buy a property, I just rip everything out, rip it all the way down. Because right. to, to, now I know what's in there as opposed to going over someone else's work. But I had to learn that through trial and error of like just putting a couple of dollars in, like throw a couple of pieces of sheetrock up and the plumbing's bad, the electric's bad, this is bad, that's bad. I don't know what's back there. Now, at this point, rip it all out, build it all right, right. back up. You know what I'm right. saying? No, so, it, no, it's exactly. No, it's, I'm the same way. I mean, it costs you more in service orders than it does to do one rehab one time. You know, like I don't really don't get that many service orders in my property. I really, I really get a service order, you know, but also I got really good tenants, but, but started getting better tenants. I started making my houses look better, you know, um, like even, like even my section eight stuff, I put granite stainless, like it's really only like a few thousand dollars for me to flip, you know, the way that I do my section eight stuff, right. All my, all my cheaper stuff. And so I make it so the tenants, they know they're not going to get a better house nowhere else. 
Man, that's so, a, that's amazing advice. Hey, Cora, I, let me tell you why that's amazing advice because I feel that, right? I talk to so many investors who, because they feel like they're putting on Section 8, they do the bare minimum. <laughs> that, and I, to me, that's the absolute wrong way to be, right? Because yeah. some Section 8 tenants could be a pain. You, give, you go above and beyond. And a lot of times people don't realize as a landlord, this is still a customer service business. Right, true. You, you, do, right. Good, you do good by your tenants. They do good by you. Right. So listen, I'm going to say this. So to that point, right? So a uh, man, Matt, Magic Home Loans, when me and Aisha did his event in New York a few weeks ago, it was a random comment, right? Somebody asked me about um, bad tenants. And I said, before you even talk about the tenant, you know, you got to look at it like your girlfriend, right? Like if she's crazy and scratching your car up, right? What did you do to make her crazy, right? Is she a bad tenant? <laughs> Right, because like, why? Why is she not paying rent? Why? Why is the rent in escrow? Like, were your service orders completed on time? You know, were you responsive? Are you providing a quality place? You know, and if you're not doing those things, then you can't complain about your tenant being a bad tenant. You now, if you're doing what you're supposed to do as a landlord, you know, and they still not doing their part, then you have a, have a legit gripe. But what I find is that with me, when I, when I became a better landlord, I got better tenant. You know, that's, and that's a, that's a bar right there. Yeah. That, 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 yeah, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. That's a gem right there. Have bad, you're not gonna have bad tenants if, if, like you said, if your customer services are at the top level, at the top notch, then bad tenants is not something you really gonna have. To and you've with. and you've done your screening. I, I another mistake. Back to my mistakes again. Um, when I used to like take Section Eight tenants when I first got into the game, I would just take Section Eight tenants. I still didn't run them the way I would run a traditional person's like credit, criminal background, all that. Cause I'm like, man, Section Eight, this money guaranteed. You know what I mean? Like, and I and I be try, I be trying to get that bread in. So I'm like, all right, so you, you know, and taking shortcuts. Anytime I'm taking a shortcut, it never works, right? <laughs> it always walk you back to the point. Where yeah, you know, it it never works. It might work for us uh, for a little bit, but it just never works, right? So you have to like screen your tenants, even if they are a Section Eight tenant. You still got to do your screening and all that. You know what I mean? So, well, so. Once again, I, you know, I managed at the worst level for six years in the housing authority, right? So, you know, I still, I use what section, what, what they told me working for the housing authority, like how to screen. And, as, and we had to take everybody, like we couldn't, we couldn't deny anybody, but through working there, I'm at Blumberg, Blumberg, when I worked there, you know, it's, it's going down, right? But it was 500 units, you know, at Bartram Village, it was 510 units. I was at Johnson Homes, it's 525 units. Um, I, then I was at Spring Garden, that was only 200 units. Then I went over to tax credit site, Pat Mac at 10th, at 10th and um, not Diamond, 10th and Poplar, right? And so by working in these places, I got an opportunity to write really dig deep into people's lives, right? And understand like the difference in individuals and really do like, and understand how to screen for personality, not just everything else. And it's not really from screening, it's from getting to know people, you know, at a real, at a deep level. I'm talking about, you know, then to be a therapist at times, like, cause I'm there, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with, you know, with, with, with murder, I'm dealing with suicide, you know, I'm dealing with, you know, people homeless, I'm dealing with people, you know, sex abuse, I'm dealing with all of this stuff just as a property manager. And so I learned a lot about people, right, from that, from that. And I take that, you know, even in the screening. And so one of the things that I do, I started to buy the larger houses, you know, for my Section 8 stuff. So I might get a, a five or six bedroom house. 
for Section 8. I did that for a couple of reasons. One, you know, you won't get paid like a duplex, but they still gonna sell you the house for the cost of a three bed for three bedroom. It's the same thing, it's just a house, right? It met up with the hood. You're not gonna pay no more than you would for a regular three bedroom. It's gonna cost you more to rehab it, but what that does is that allows me to get three generations. And so if I got mom, the kids, and grandma, those are the ones I get no problem, right? If I just get like the single mom and the kids, that's when I get the, the the domestic abuse issues, right? That's when I get the girls just trying to fuck for the rent. You know, that's when I get like that stuff. But if I get the three generations, never get a problem. Yeah, that's, that's ours. I didn't even like, I never thought about it that way. That's absolutely a gem. And man, listen, cause I've made mistakes where I didn't screen a tenant. I had the one crib in Ireland. I didn't screen a tenant. Um, and I got a call from the neighbor. Chick was running the, um, a back page site right out the crib. I was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, so, so I made that mistake, but that, that's, a, that's, that's, that's absolutely it. I'm sitting there, my mind blown. I'm like writing down my own notes. That's a good <laughs> idea. Like, yo, I, oh man, that, that's fire right there. You get three generations. That's, that's, man, good stuff right there. Yeah, now I'm telling you, bro, it worked. Because first of all, grandma always home. Always. Grandma don't go nowhere. You know, so everything be chill, man. So that's, yeah, I love three generations. That's my favorite. And I had no. another I had another property in North, right? And, and this is why I found this funny. I didn't even know at the time I didn't know you could do this where now it was like it was like two generations. Um, but the like the mother was the one that had the voucher. Um, mm-hmm. but the, the daughter became an adult. The mother passed away and like the daughter like took over the crib. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, they actually are passing down vouchers now. This is like, uh, it's like she inherited the, uh, the crib on a Section 8 tip. I, it was yeah. cool with me. Like, the rent's still yeah, coming yeah. for me. I'm good. But the, the, only, the only problem with that is we should go to recertify. She might not qualify for the same amount of money. So that might, yeah, that might yeah. be a little painful right there. But, yeah. but, other, but otherwise, but, but nah, man. So, like, like one thing that I, that I resent right now is... When I talk to other investors, right, you talk to, like, the big corporate investors, right, you talk to the hedge funds guys, you talk to all these white people downtown, and they always refer to neighborhoods, you know, the ABC neighborhoods, this and that. I'm mm-hmm. like, nah, man, it's just people. It's just because all y'all, all y'all see is a bunch of poor people. Like, okay, these, these, this is the level of poor people, and they treat everybody the same, and so that's why they always get poor results. Absolutely. But that, but that but that goes into the whole aspect of when you look at it like a customer service business, right? So, so I've had people that would have been problematic, but I'm so like upfront. So I use a, um, I put it out there, I use a service, I use Cozy, right? Um, and what I like about that is any service order or anything, they put it to me in an email, put it in writing, I respond in writing. And I tell, always tell my tenants, this is a way to protect both of us. So if there's a problem and you feel like I'm not like, you know, tailing it in a, in a timely manner, it's documented. You know what I mean? Right, okay. And if I feel like it is done, it's documented on both sides. It protects us. But the, to me, like the customer service aspect is something that's missing. And you're right. They look at these, this A neighborhood or B neighborhood and you, they start to treat people different. But if you treat people like people, like you get good results. So um, I think that's amazing information you share right there. Like look at yourself first. What are, what are you doing? And then start to start your complaints, right? So that right. that's that's a bar in itself. So you you went through the process, um, your ups and downs. You figured it out, um, and you got into real estate. Uh, what was the epiphany that made you make that transition from like, okay, so I lost the mortgage thing, um, the the party thing didn't work. 
let me get into the real what was it that made it click that made you get into the real estate business was it someone so, else that was doing it or what happened so once well once again you know my you know my dad we always had property so it was nothing for me to, to to go back and do it like they were always telling me you know to to buy some houses and um i think i took i took my dad's advice a couple of times about houses not to purchase and um i shouldn't have you know it was I'll tell you two different instances of where I shouldn't listen to my dad. I know because parents, parents are getting kids away all the time. I learned that house was thirty two. Like parents, a lot of times are the kids' worst enemies, man. But um, it was a house at thirty eighth and Baring. They wanted forty grand for it. Mind you, this was probably this might have been ninety seven, ninety. No, no, no. I came home from school. It was, it was like oh one. And 30th and Baring, they wanted 40 grand for that. It's probably a half million dollar probably right now. And then it was one at 38th and Haverford. That one they wanted 18. Now, but it was a it was a tree grown out of the back. You know, it took the whole back down. It was a whole big thing. You know, and that probably was the right choice to buy it. But I could have, you know, bought the house and leveled it. I probably made a hundred thousand dollars just doing that, you know, on, on that one. But the tree was the tree was scary for me at the time, but I had no money. But I didn't know how to get a mortgage. Plus, everybody can get a mortgage, you know, still then. Yeah, back then. Everybody, yeah, everybody was everybody was still like, hey, you can have that house. But you, got, but you know what? You got to make those mistakes or those non-decisions in order to grow to get to the point where you are now. Um, I was just telling a story our last episode about uh, I had a property on a 1400 block of Colorado. And I had got it for like next to nothing. South Colorado? Yes, South Colorado Street. I got mm-hmm. it for next to nothing. I got it for like 10 or 15 and I, I, I took title, flipped it real quick for like, for, sold it for like 40. And I, I thought I was a genius. I was killing it back then. <laughs> and I was just telling each, I was like, now I look and they got like half a million dollar properties on the block and I'm sick. I don't even drive down a block no more. But the thing is that, that I always tell that story because I keep that in my mind as I make a decision with buying hold versus renting. So now that you got into the business or whatever, um, do you do a little bit of everything or what do you prefer? Do you prefer the long-term buy and hold? Do you like to flip? What, what, is your, what is your thing? So I, I like the process of the flip, but I, but I hate selling properties. I hate selling houses, right? So but one of the reasons why I do flip, I mean, I do get therapy out of it though. I mean, I like to take, you know, a shell and make it something beautiful. I, mean, I do enjoy that process, but also I use those profits to put back into my buy and holds. You know, it's just that I can buy buying holes without using as much leverage, you know, and contrary to popular belief when people say I'm not, I'm not against leverage. I'm not against, you know, cashing out. I always tell people just do it cautiously. And so how my portfolio is, is shaping up, it's kind of by accident, but I'm, I'm liking how it is, is I'll have a big mortgage on one house. I cash out everything in one house, like maximum. Then the next house it'll be like just what I put in, like a manageable mortgage, and the third house will have like no mortgage. And that's, that's how it's kind of shaping up. And I really like how, how that's looking. You know, I, yeah. I do want to have a certain number of houses, I mean, to the point where if I need to take a bigger risk, I can take it. And mind you, I don't mind going to zero, right? So I could spend everything, right? If I got this, you know, let's say the number is, you know, uh, $7,000 from the free and clear houses, I can lose everything and still have a decent safety net because once again, my household expenses are probably only like $2,500, you know, a month. Yeah, you yeah. Know, keep, keep everything low, right? And so 
and I do want to do bigger stuff. You know, I just don't, I just don't need to do everything, right? I, I'm not in the mood like Pac-Man where I got to bob everything I possibly can. You know, mm-hmm. I can still, you know, I can still pick them strategically. You know, mm-hmm. the young guys have that. You know, I try to, you know, you know, it's, it's always, it's like a lot of 20-something guys in here right now, yeah. right? And they they all got into the business. They, they've only seen a good market. They've Man. Been, it's crazy you say that because it's like kind of the conversation last episode. She was like, "Let's see what happens when things really." And I was, and I made that same comment about like I'm old enough to have been through the bad times. So, but you learn from it. And right. another point you made, and I always tell this story about myself, and I'm gonna keep repeating it. So, as our listeners like who listen to the podcast and follow what we do, they have an understanding. Um, I've been to the point where you have fifty or sixty cribs at one time, right? Mm-hmm. But. I, I literally was making less money than I am with a, with a smaller portfolio mm. because back then I was buying any and everything I could. I was leveraged ungodly. <laughs> now, now I understand. And I kind of got this and I was telling Isha this, I got this from like reading Warren Buffett's book about he doesn't buy until it's the perfect time to buy. So he's always sitting on a lot of cash. Mm. Even right now, if you look up Berkshire Hathaway, his holding company, how much they got in cash, Corey? They got like a, a crazy amount of billions of dollars. They just, they literally just keep it in cash. So, he, and now his is applied to the stock market, but it's the same concept. So, for me now, I like to buy cheap houses. So, okay. I've bought houses as little as like, I've bought houses literally for a dollar from people that were losing them. I've bought houses for over, this, this is over the last couple of years, $3,000, $1,000. Like, I'm buying houses that I can't lose when I'm buying houses that cheap. But, yeah, the, fact, no, 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 but no. the fact of the matter is now you put your own cash into it, you fix it up, rent it out. Like, so my cash flow is so much more than, you know, um, so those are a lot of gems you dropped in terms of leverage. You can use leverage, but be smart about how you use you gotta, the leverage. You gotta be, you gotta, you gotta be smart. Listen, it's not like a foreclosure to make you think about how you want to leverage, how you want to refinance. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, because I've seen I've seen cats and, and, and I always mention this. I've seen cats like live off of their rental income and one bad thing happens. Roof goes and they start ducking their tenants. They start ducking their tenants worse than the tenants duck them. <laughs> yeah, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. Like, right. So, got, so what I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm doing my first two um, subject to deals. I, I post about the one I know. I know for a fact I'm doing it wrong. Like I'm looking at it. <laughs> Paperwork that I did, I was like, shit, this is like, after I posted, I got like a lot of advice from people that's kind of do it. And I'm like, yo, this is wrong. But, you know, I'm, a, you know, I already put the trigger on it. I already settled. I'm, I'm waiting for the, I didn't, but I didn't, I didn't pay the reinstatement. It's a foreclosure. I didn't pay okay. the reinstatement yet. So I'm probably I'm waiting for them to give me the, the bank wouldn't take the reinstatement. They only want the exact amount. I was like, nah, it's going to be about, I'll pay you over. Like, nah, nah, nah. You only want the exact amount for the reinstatement. And I'm like, all right, so I'm waiting for that number. So I'm still going to, you know, I already I already settled. And so the way I did it, I did it. It was a state property, right? Okay. So I put it in both of our names, right? It, it was, um, you know, a state of so-and-so and then my LLC. And uh, and then she also signed a deed, you know, deeding it over, you know, once it's paid over from both of us to, to just me. And, um yeah, like I said, it's wrong. But like I said, I'm gonna go through with it. 
but again, <laughs> uh, but again, you see, uh, man, I think the one thing I'm taking away from this whole this whole podcast, this whole webcast is like you're a person of action, man. <laughs> you like I might make a mistake, but I'm going to do something. Yeah. I ain't going to sit there. I just know this. What 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 will happen is if the bank accelerates, I'll just sell the house. Like there's enough equity that I'm still selling a profit if they accelerate. And I can get it, I'll get it so quick. You know, it's in Kyle's Creek, you know, Kyle's Creek League. So yeah. I know I get it, I'll get it out of there. It's a four it's a four bedroom, one bath, you know, it's in Kyle's Creek. I think the mortgage on it, after I pay the after I pay the reinstatement, would be like uh, forty two thousand. And it's livable now. All I'm doing is painting and putting in the kitchen and uh, a little of the light work. So you know, I'll just go ahead and put it in the market for one twenty five half, so I still make a profit. I'll be okay with that. That's another point I want to get to real quick. Um, I noticed it was one of your hashtags, Cobb Creek Leak, right? Creek so, Leak, as, yeah. as someone who's like, a, I'm a, I'm a real estate analyst too, so I still I still maintain like a, my, my my gig in terms of looking at the overall market. Um, that's one of the areas I'm noticing my on my own, just looking at the data, looking at the the, mm-hmm. the, the points on the map that are heating up in terms of the prices going up. What's going on in Cobb's Creek that's making the market like take a shift over there? What's going on? No, is, it, so, is that all you making a market change or what's going on? <laughs> but people don't think is the reason why I wanted, first of all, I live in Cobb's Creek, you know, like I said, after my parents split, I moved up and my grandmother was already living up here on Cedar Avenue, you know, so I've been coming up back and forth, you know, once she was, um, when she was alive, right? So all my life I was in Cobb's Creek, you know, but, um, what people don't realize is that prior to the recession, the city as a whole was appreciating at like 7% year over year. But when you extrapolate um, like West Philly, it was like 11%. So I'm like, okay, let me keep buying West. Like if it was already appreciating more, like 30% more versus the city, I just keep buying West, right? But uh, a part of that, you know, is the, the pen enhanced mortgage zone, you know, so the effect of pen, pen give like a forgivable grant, a forgivable loan, something like that, like $10,000, you know, live there. Plus, it's just a dope neighborhood, man. I love living around here. And what you see, if you if you come to like West Philly, like, you know, Cedar Park, Kyle's Creek, there's only two diverse parts of Philadelphia. It's around this West Philly area because of the university, people from all over the world. When I take my son into Clark Park, we might hear six different languages, like in that two hours time that we in the park, hours time we in the park, right? So it's the one of the wealthier areas, and then you got to go down Kensington to the poorest area. Those are the only two diverse parts of the city. That's it. Every everywhere else is segregated, you know. And so we get all the different cultures, you know. We get all the different foods, you know. I could get I could get the city hall by bike in like fifteen minutes. You know, I can get to the airport in like nine or 10 minutes. You know, I don't have to even own a car to live here. It, you know, this is, this is to me, it's the, and we got large houses with decent sized yards. You go to South Philly, it is close to downtown, but you go and get a little shoe box with no yard and no yeah. parking and no parking. Other than that, on the, on the north side, you know, you really got to cross the Vine Street Expressway, go through all the commercial stuff in Collar Hill before you get to a, a neighborhood where you can kind of get downtown easily. And then on top of that, other than Center City, University City has the second most jobs uh, in the city. So people want to live close to work. They got no choice but to live in Kyle's Creek. Yeah, so it's interesting, it's, interesting, it's interesting to watch that, uh, watch that develop like that. Um, 
And you brought up something I didn't know about Penn and those grants there, but I can see how that can be a factor. I remember when Penn bought the graduate hospital, right? So mm-hmm. graduate hospital is actually run and owned by the University of Pennsylvania. And they started giving grants for people to move close to that um, hospital. Yeah. That whole area went through the roof. I know, area. but here's the thing. But Penn does it right. Drexel does it too. And Temple does it. And it doesn't, their programs are not, they're not having the same effect. I wonder why. You know? but, I, I, I but, think Temple is, a, I don't, honestly, I won't even buy around Temple. I'm, I'm cool. I'll let everybody else buy Temple. It's like, I just don't trust it. Because you can't, you can't build a sustainable neighborhood off of tenants, right? And everybody, everything around Temple is just apartments. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't, I'm not going to, the prices are too high for me to even consider going. Oh, I, about to say, I, don't, I don't even think, I don't even think about it because I'm, I'm, I'm priced out. Like, not, Let's go back to that bar. You can't build a sustainable neighborhood with all, with apartments, right? Yeah, yeah because everybody's transient. Like, you, nobody knows, and nobody knows anybody. And so, and that, that's a bar. Like, you would not build a sustainable neighborhood with all apartments. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't do it. That's why. That's why I don't. That's why I don't trust Temple. Now, not on the west side, right? But now, if you look at like this, that um, the east side, like around that that two two around Firth, I think there's a lot. There's a lot more single families you starting to come up. But for the most part, that whole corridor, that whole you know, from from Temple Temple Hospital is gonna be all apartments. See, I know what neighborhood you're talking about because I live I live in Lansdowne, which is two minutes outside the city, and the first thing yeah. I hit is Cobb's Creek. On my right. way into the city. I live literally two minutes outside the city. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? I, I know exactly the neighborhoods that you're talking about, and I experienced those things. I grew up in North Philly. Like, I grew up okay. in your apartment. I grew up at 20th in York, which is about three blocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when you was telling me about the, the police presence, like, when I tell people I grew up in a, like, like an occupation, like, like an occupying army lived in my neighborhood, nobody believes me. Nah, you, know, I, 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 you, really, you really feel that though, man. But you know, but but ultimately, um, I'm a. I have confidence in the city as a whole, right? So I tell people all the time, you you can throw a dart at a map of Philadelphia, buy that property, and you'll make money. There are no geniuses, you know. People, oh man, I'm gonna buy over here. I'm smart. I'm buy over here. Nah, just just buy. As long as you keep buying, you'll keep making money. Yeah, that's a <laughs> you know, bar too. I have, I have, a, I have a lot of confidence in it, except for the Northeast. I'm, I went by a damn thing in the Northeast. Oh, Northeast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout, shout, shout out to all our people who still think that's the, the destination to go to. Oh, my this God. Ain't, this, ain't 80, this ain't 82, y'all. Y'all bug it. Hey, listen. So when I, when I first, you know, lost my mortgage company, I had to get a part-time job. I was doing three jobs at the same time, right? I worked at the Warren unit. Um... Overnight, you know, I when people get locked up, I had to fax the warrant to CFCF. I worked, um, you know, I was a substitute teacher. Then I did mortgages all at the same time, right? I did all three of those jobs. Good. It was Great. like a twenty-four hour. It was it was a, a crazy time, right? Or oh, a hustler, right? I'm doing everything. No, it was. Listen, I'm at, I'm at. This is my schedule. So from five, so from five to eight thirty, I'm at the mortgage company. Get off that. Then go to the Warren unit from 11 to 7. Sometimes I would try to get off work at 6 o'clock, go sleep for a couple hours, take a phone call, take a substitute teaching job somewhere, be late for that. I was late. I can go to the same school 
any date, like two days in a row, I couldn't do because I was late the first day. So I'd be late at like 10, work there from 10 to 3, back to the mortgage company, 5 o'clock. Like I did, you know, I did that probably four days a week for maybe about a year. You know, that's, that's just how I was living, right? But um, at the Warren unit, this was in 09. This was, this was 10 years ago now. They were calling the Northeast the New North Philly in 09. Yep. So, I mean, and, and, and that's the thing, right? So like, and, 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 you know, um, this gets into a whole deeper discussion. I don't even want to really go down this hole about <laughs> how, how we think their ice is colder. So we try to follow, but that's a whole nother topic, right? Here, here, here's what I do want to say though. So, um, so now you figured out your path and all that. And, and I just want to know what is the future for your business? Like, where do you see yourself growing to? What is your, what are your goals? Are your goals a certain number of doors? Is it a certain level of cash flow? Or is it just like, what is your ultimate goal? So my, my goal, and this is, this is, this is where, where you can learn things from, right? So I'm just say this one thing. When I was at, at Blumberg, it was this one cat. He, um, he had the ninth floor of Judson on Smash. I'm talking about security guards. When they went to build it, they would get the ninth floor. He had it on lock, like hand over fist. And it's like 21, 22. Killing the, you know, killing the dope game. And I asked him, I was like, listen, man, um, so when is enough enough, right? And he looked at me like crazy. He didn't understand that. And then he came back to me a few months later. He was like, listen, OG, I get it. I understand what you're trying to say. Next year, I'm done, right? Talking about real estate. After that next year, I didn't see him down Blumberg no more. And I saw him in the Home Depot. He ended up, he bought 12 houses, you know, free and clear rehab, all, all in brewery town, you know, got them all right. Mind you, this, he bought these in brewery town. This had to have been, um, this had to have been 02. So his prices was very low back then. You know, now I'm sure now he's definitely, he had 12 houses then, you know, so I'm sure he's a millionaire now. He was probably, he's a millionaire then, but then he's he a legal millionaire now. Yeah. Right. And one thing that he said to me that I, I still carry, I saw my Home Depot that day. He was like, listen, man, like, I just need to make 7000 a month. Like, there's nothing that you can't do in this world with 7000 a month. You can do anything you want. And I thought about that, and I was like, damn, you're right. Like, it doesn't really take, like, a lot. People are taking penitentiary chances, and you out here trying to, you know, everybody's goal is to have every house and be the biggest millionaire. I had a meeting with East, Justin, and, and, uh, and Reed. And I said, I'm okay with being a poorest millionaire. I've have, I've no problem with that. You know, I, don't, I don't need I don't need to be out here right to keep to keep chasing. You know, I'm very comfortable right now, and I'm going to continue to grow at my own pace. But so to, so to answer to answer your question, I just really I just need to get my free and clear portfolio to ten thousand. And everything else, I'll go from there. So now I'm just, I'm still doing some finance. I'm clearing debt. I'm selling a couple of rentals because the prices are so high. You know, it's like, it's hard for me to turn it down. So one of my rentals, man, um, it was a really good rental. I was making like 50%. And it was really hard for me to sell that one. But they offered me, um, what they offered me was 100000 profit. I'm like, shh. She gotta go. <laughs> right? Uh, listen, listen, you just dropped so many uh, so many gems right there, right? So for one, you're right. It doesn't take a lot, but I'm gonna get to what you just said, like the emotional part. 
you you made that decision and me and Corey always talk about how people let emotions mess them up investment wise right, right. you said it's a hundred thousand i'm not attached to this this is a, the best decision for me business wise it gotta go right so go. Th- th- that's the one thing and you absolutely right like you said this at seven thousand i was thinking to myself like i'm so frugal i probably could do like four <laughs> i could be comfortable as hell with four my, no, my i'm like you my expenses are so low like my wife and i joke all the time about it like because once you start to understand money, so I, outside of real estate, I study the markets. And the thing about studying the markets is it makes you see the entire world different. When you understand how capitalism works and how the stock market works, you look at everything different. So now every dollar that I pay out on something, I look as future income loss. When right. I know right now I can go buy a dividend stock, and this is not investment advice, when I know that I can go buy a share of a Wells Fargo, right? I can go buy a share of an actual bank and every share I buy is going to pay me back X amount in dividends. I look at putting out money <laughs> different. Mm, right, so, right, so right. you know what I mean? So it's like in, in living that lifestyle, you're absolutely right. And I was having a conversation with a client last week. Um, and the conversation was, he doesn't have a huge portfolio, but the conversation was about how most people when they want to get in this game, they look at the big wigs. He got 500 doors. She got right. 88 doors. You, if you get two free and clear cribs, it'll change your whole life. People Listen. always want to have $7 million. Like, and I always tell people this, even when it comes to like our people getting insured and our people building up assets, like stop thinking about needing a billion dollars, right? You don't need a billion dollars, but how different, how different would your life have been, Corey, if one of your ancestors put you, got you to the point where you had $20,000, even a year coming in without, before you got out of bed, that changes your life. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, my ancestors did the right thing by me and I was a, a jerk. So I, I'm not even going to talk about it. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not talking, I'm not saying, I, I know you I know, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like my ancestor did something similar to that. And I was young, dumb and stupid. And my emotions got in the way, which is why I'm so unemotional when it comes to investing now. Yeah. So, so I, I'm glad you made that point. Your whole thing is you just want to, you want to live comfortably. You, you, I mean, you don't, you don't need to be flashy or flamboyant. You just want to be able to like make. Right. And listen, like, and what I, what I tell people, I'm going to say all the time, man, it's like, let me help you. Let me just help you to make $2,000 extra a month, right? If you make $2,000 extra a month and stop buying shit, your life gets very easy, <laughs> right? You, got, you have to stop buying shit. You have to, right? <laughs> and, and but I t- also what I say is that everything you buy is is literally literally extending the amount of time that you have to work right so if you have a, a x amount that you need for retirement when you bought the gucci purse that's three thousand dollars away from us another week of work that you until that you have to do versus retirement it's like they these are these are li- it's a literal figure like you you're, you're really had listen, to work that much longer. Listen, my brother Corey and I wrote a book, right? It's called Own Your Time and Space. And it's about the, the, the concept of how time is valuable, right? I remember when I got my first job, I worked at um, a movie theater um, up indoors. It's not even there no more, AMC. And I'm so, yeah, old. I remember that's <laughs> uh, yo, I'm so old that minimum wage back then was like four and a quarter, right? Yeah. It, but I remember the, the one thing I learned from that job when I got my first check and looked at it after they took taxes and everything out, I, I was disgusted for one. 
But then, like, I, you, you, my mom was like, you got your first check. Everything on you now. You got to go pick care of your own stuff. It makes you uh, – so my, my value of money is different. I'm like, I got to spend a whole hour to get $4 – I don't want right. to buy. I don't want to buy that no more. This is right. hours right. worth of work. You start looking right. at Jordans, right. like what the hell am I doing asking for Jordans? I gotta right. work like six weeks to get. You know what I mean? So it's like that whole idea. Um, it, Bro, it, listen, it, you know, I I've only ever owned one pair of Jordans. I was in North Carolina, and the Foot Locker it was a misprint. The Jordans were nineteen ninety nine. Mm. I bought two pair of them. Like, yo, let me get them. And they 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 honored the coupon even on um on the rain check. They honored the next night that coupon, and I bought two pairs of Jordans, the only Jordans I ever had in my life. Never mm-hmm. had a I ain't a Jordan. You know, I, but um, but I tell people all the time. So what what I don't understand, what I need to relearn. I need to learn more about the stocks and everything. I need to learn more about the life insurances. Like I know I know real estate, the other things I really don't know much about. I, they all kind of go together like a whole person. But yeah. what I'm doing right now is I, I realized that. A hundred percent of my net worth is, is real estate, right? And so maybe like ninety nine point four percent really real estate. You know, I own, you know also other stuff, but mostly real estate. And so I need to diversify that. I need to really make real estate maybe like thirty forty percent like of my overall income. Yeah, you know, but you so know, I'm working on. But here's the one good on. thing by you by you working in the business and doing what you've done, everything else will come easier to you. Because the one thing I say about real estate is. It's almost like a complete financial education. Yeah, it's if you, if, every piece if of you, every Yeah, if you have to go through the process of doing a flip and, and also like going to settlements and dealing with the contract, you're learning so much about business that everything else like will just fall into place for you. So I will say that. Um, before we get you out of here, though, um, I'm going to ask you about books, right? If mm-hmm. what is your favorite business book or something that you've picked up or learned from as you Bro, throughout it's, your journey? It's, it's not it's not even a clinic to think about it. You watch the why guys have all the fun is the book that mm. got me out. Listen, every morning, this is when I was a senior in college. I didn't want to be there anymore. I was then ready to leave, like drop out. I had one special to go. And I just was like, you know, I'm over it. I'm making money doing other stuff. Every morning, I listen to in the shower on repeat. I will listen to Dead Press Discipline, and I will read an excerpt of Wash the White Guys Have All the Fun. Reginald like, Lewis. Reginald Lewis. Regin- Reginald Lewis. Reginald Lewis. Man, he's a huge hero of mine. I really appreciate. You know, he went to HBCU also. You know, so and all of that, man. But yeah. dude is um. Nah, my, 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 it's a, my, my hero, my hero. I mean, I think everybody should read that. That book should really be in schools. That's a good book. I read that book too, yeah. and I was like, and what was ill to me about that book is, so I, I'm a I'm a huge reader, and most of the time, specifically uh, with black businesses. So you read about like uh, Robert, like the Johns. People always have built businesses like from the ground up, like. He figured out like how to use leverage, how to use the capital of Wall Street, like, and that's why it's why should white guys have all the fun. He played in a game, and that's why I'm pretty much an advocate of telling people to learn about the markets, because a lot of us fall in love with real estate, and there's nothing wrong with that, because real estate is a powerful, powerful tool. But let's not be locked out of of, of this, this this billions of dollars that transfers on a daily basis, like thirty six trillion dollars. <laughs> New York every day. Yeah, so we gotta get it. We gotta get involved yeah, in that too. No, no, I, I, we definitely, we definitely have to. And then even on the business side, man, I just posted that that article 
a few months ago that Philly been 60% black, only 2% of the businesses are owned by black people in the city of Philadelphia. That's gotta and change. That's, that's an astonishing number to me. And, you know, and, and that's the kind of reason why I'm out here, I'm just, you know, talking to people. One of the best things I did was, you know, talking and uh, working at Blumberg. I did get a chance to like the one young dude, I hope that I had a little effect on him. It was another young guy who wanted to, he was in the street there too, but he ended up getting murdered before he had a chance to, uh, you know, to do it. And then working in public housing really made me, gave me an opportunity to really appreciate my life a lot more, yep. which is the reason why I can kind of, you know, live, live, live Listen, man, and, you and are- become- you out there doing good work, man. Because if you change the per- you change one person, that's more. And um, yeah, this is th- this ain't no shot at, at nobody. But I know a lot of y'all folks out there who um come at my neck for t- always talking about capitalism, who are quote unquote woke, and y'all ain't helped nobody or did nothing for nobody. Y'all just sit around and argue about history all day online. Um, and that's not a shot at nobody specifically. Because if you know who you are, you know who you are. Bro, um, let me, let me just one thing before before we end it though. I, I think this is important. I, um, I thought I should have said it earlier. And I know it's always a hot topic, the gentrification and about Kyle's Creek. Is there really gentrification if the black folks don't want it? Right? When I put these houses on the market, when I put my, my rental, my rental I had 51st and Catherine and Cedar Park, I didn't have one black person come to see it to rent. When I put these other houses on the market for sale, I don't, I don't get black people coming to, to look at these houses to purchase. The black people I get, they want to buy uptown, right? They only want Mount Airy. They only want, you know, they only want Winfield. They don't, they don't want to live in Kyle's Creek. Well, they, 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 they're going to want it later when it's too late. That's when they're going to want it. But I'm just saying, is this still gentrification if the people of color don't want it? That's listen, all. I, I, listen. That's, I, it. That's, that's my question. I own a, a property in North Philly for a while, and it used to be this lady on the block. And um, she'd been renting there forever. And I used to tell her, I say, why don't you buy the house? Because at one point, she, she lived there so long that she's had multiple landlords, right? Wow. But when they put it up for sale, I said, why don't you buy it? Because I'm getting away from here. I ain't going to be around these niggas all this time. Getting out of there. Yeah. Ten years passed. She's still there. I'm like, you could have bought. You've, you've paid for the house multiple times already. Yeah. Right? But you see what happens is when someone else comes in and sees value where we don't see value, that's problematic. But, man, that, that's, that's, a, that's a, a, a deep discussion. Let me ask you one more question, too. Because... I generally ask this of all of our guests, right? So you went to school. Mm-hmm. In terms of the student loan uh, crisis, um, what would be your advice to your kids as they're coming up about going to college? Would you tell them to go ahead to college or what would your advice be in terms of college with the, with the cost so, being where they are? Mm-hmm. So, so my thing is we combine the two things and I, I don't think that they both should be combined, right? Mm-hmm. There's the, the college experience and then there's the cost of college. Now the the cost of the cost of college is going to eventually come down, right? They're going to start to fail. I mean, it's just states they're not going to keep the you know funding these schools, everything else. Um, the one thing that count Tom Corbett when he was the governor, I didn't agree with a lot that he did, but he stopped giving Penn State money and he didn't give Temple millions of dollars that I'm not giving to you. And what he said is because all you're going to do is build rock walls. And I was like, fuck, damn, you know, you're right. All they're going to do is make a bigger, better facility, make it look nicer, right, to attract more students, right? And so when you're talking about the experience mm-hmm. of college, 100% I would like for my son to go to college, but 
I'm not going to be a person that is like, nah, you're going to college or else. Okay. Like, like, I mean, there will be or else, but it won't be like, you. I get out of my house and blah, you have to go to college or figure something out, but you're not going to be in my basement. Like, that is, that's not an option. Like, you're not going to just be here not doing nothing. If you, you, be, you could be in a basement, but as long as you're down there building something, like, I don't care what it is, but it's a business, a trinket, whatever you're building, you got to be doing something, right? Gotcha. But, you know, my college experience made me who I am. Like, I was able to experiment as an entrepreneur, you know, with a with a safety net under me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, from doing the mixtape, using my student loans. Oh, so listen, I did a little flip party with my student loans. You know, I lost $13,000 and my partner, you know, on that party. A little flip. It was a crazy party, but it was a hell of a loss. And, like, you know, but I still had things to fall back on. And then... You know, maneuvering, building relationships. There's a lot to learn in college. Yes, it is. Outside of the know, classroom. Yeah, outside of the classroom, you know. And and then relationships that I got, I made in college, I wouldn't have got some random people, you know, on the street. Yes. You know, my college experience, I promise you, would be a hell of a, a, hell of a YouTube or, or Netflix series. <laughs> my, college, my college experience was, was, listen, I will put my experience up against anybody. I'm talking about... You know, from kidnappings to to, to shootouts to <laughs> drugs to and this is and this is college versus college. <laughs> this is college, yo. My college experience was you know international trips, building businesses. You know, oh my god, my college experience. And so to get some of that stuff that's, that's not just there, but the books too, though, right? I learned the importance of being on time. You know, I think that's probably the most important thing I learned. You know, in college, like yo. You gotta be on time. Like you gotta show up. You gotta. You gotta I, I, lo- I love your answer. And 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 the one thing I know is we ask a lot of our guests the same question. Um. So it reminds me of a uh, Tom, the real estate bully, right? When he talked about college, none of his none of the the good parts that he talked about had anything to do with the classroom. But he did talk about throwing parties and how that helps him as a wholesaler now. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> yeah, being no, able, to, yeah, yeah. So no, and listen, and for a while when I was taking business partners. If you weren't a party promoter, I didn't work with you because we know what it is to do a rejection. Understand, I would pass out 15,000 flyers every week between driving around to the stores, flyers, posters, everything else. So if I'm giving, if I'm giving 5,000 flyers out hand-to-hand every week, but only 800 people come, that means I got rejected 4,200 times every week. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so you learn how to deal with rejection, whereas, you know... Other people don't. Are you, we know what it is to be out there passing out flyers in the cold. You yeah. know, that's, that's the grind. So I yeah. only want a perfect motor as partners. That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. But listen, man, Malik, man, we definitely appreciate your time. You dropped a lot of gems. You hit us with a story that, like, it, it, it's a couple. I wrote a couple things down. Like, first of all, family legacy, how important that is. Um, and the fact that you know your history, I, I'm a little jealous of that because I can't trace my family back that far. But that's fire because, um, that goes to show that it's something that was inside of you for one. And also you talked about like your father and what he did and that's what you saw. So for all you people out there watching and listening that have kids, they're watching you, whether you know it or not. Right. Um, the second thing is a person that takes massive action. All of, all of the like things that have happened to you and you just right back up. I think that's, um, that's admirable and people can learn from that as well. Like, um, I think one of my mentors told me one time, like, you know, I got pissed about like cold call. And he was like, did you die? 
I'm like, what you mean? <laughs> you die? I'm like, no. Well, what are you complaining about? Right. And, and you know what I mean? So it's like, just get back at it. Action. Take action. And the last thing is, no fear. You said a couple times, like, if I go to zero, I go to zero. I'm going to get right back at it. I was just joking about this. My man said, zero is nothing. Yeah, like, I'm so, right back at it. Like, zero is nothing. Yeah, that's fire. So I think, man, that those are the things that I took away from this, man. Um, for everybody out there, uh, give them your IG because you, you give a lot of game and a lot of inspiration. Where can they follow you at on IG? So um, um, real estate underscore coach underscore Carter. Now, my, my name is not real estate coach Carter because I'm real estate coach. I'm a real estate coach Carter because when I was doing mortgages, my nickname was Coach Carter because of the movie. So I kept that. Right? Listen, <laughs> listen, people always ask me, like, where you get that JW the blueprint? Well, my name is Jimmy Williams, but I got the blueprint because at the time I was working, um, I was I had a securities license. I was working in um the finance field. And uh one of one of my coworkers used to call me the blueprint. And they call me the blueprint because when I used to do work, I would write everything. I still do that. Like I write all my goals down. I'm big on writing things down. To me, it doesn't exist unless I write it down. And so they start calling me the blueprint as a joke. And when I got online, right, my name is like James Williams, but so basic. So I just found a way that like when I was working with SEO, I was like, I got to use my nickname. So it's right. tough. But anyway, so it's the reason for all that. But anyway, that goes into marketing and marketing. That's a whole nother show. But um, listen, man, again, I wish you much success um, and uh, keep, keep doing what you're doing. And I, and I love your slogan that you say, stop buying shit. So for stop someone out there that's trying to get started right now, that will be your first advice, right? Stop buying shit. Stop buying shit. I'm not trying to sign off, but let me say this one thing real quick. Sometimes the best investment a person can make instead of buying a house is to pay that credit card bill. Because if you're paying 19% on that credit card, you get a much better return by paying that shit down than you can buying a house and getting like 14, 15, 16% returns you have money into. That's it. That's my last thing. Super facts, man. Super facts. Listen, <laughs> for those out there listening, man, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Share this podcast. Hit the like button. Um, you know, we're going to continue to tell these stories of black people who are doing great work in the community, building great businesses, or this is nothing but positivity that we share here by the hood. We want to uh, say that we appreciate all our supporters. Um, leave us some feedback and then make sure that you go follow, uh, you know, follow Malik on, on Instagram and follow his journey as he continues to do what he does. Um, you know, as we always say, it's not about how much money you make, it's about how much you keep. And, you know, we'll, we'll see chumps on top. Um, 